0: to ERA Talks. I'm your host, Netta Simorva, Communications Director at ERA. On this episode, we have ERA CEO, Walter Tobin, and joining us today are ERA consultants, Cesar Giamarco and John Samari. Cesar and John will discuss the value of the rep model for manufacturers. Welcome everyone. Hello. Hello. Thanks, Netta. Cesar and John, I wonder if before we start, if you could tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your industry experience, and sort of your past and present involvement with reps. John?
1: Sure. I'm John Samari. I spent uh, 37 years at Texas Instruments, retiring a few years ago. The majority of that time was really spent working with TI sales channel partners. I'm not an expert on reps. I've never been a rep, but I hope to be able to bring some expertise on what a manufacturer is
0: looking for from their sales channel partners. Perfect. Thanks, John. Caesar. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yes, Walter. Uh, Again, Cesar Jumaco.
2: I'm a born, raised, and resident New Englander, specifically living in Rhode Island. I started in the electronics industry, coincidentally, the same time John did 37 years ago, with a small temperature sensing company, Elmwood Senses, and stayed with that business through three mergers and acquisitions, the last acquisition being Honeywell Sensing and Controls in 2002, I was a lead on the team that integrated the rep model into that business and led the North American Selling Organization until my retirement in 2015. In all those years, my primary responsibility was integrating and managing rep networks. And since I retired, I've been working as a consultant for manufacturers, assisting them on optimizing their rep network, and also I've had the privilege to consult for ERA and its activities to
0: support and facilitate manufacturers' reps. Perfect. Thanks, Caesar. John, I wonder if you could tell our audience how you and Caesar arrived at the different attributes of the rep model value proposition for manufacturers.
1: Be happy to, Walter. So today's discussion is really an extension of a project that Caesar and I worked on for ERA a couple of years ago. We were tasked with outlining the value of the rep. And since Caesar and I both have long tenures at manufacturers, we started with what are the attributes that a manufacturer is looking for? when putting together their sales channel strategy. So we decided to start from the perspective of what are manufacturers looking for? And we ended up listing seven key attributes, expertise, flexibility, market coverage, affordability, advocacy, control, and demand creation. And then we honestly assessed how each sales channel, and that's direct, rep, and distribution, contribute in those seven areas. No one channel is best for all attributes, but reps clearly bring exceptional value in many. To further expand on that
2: a little bit, John, John covered it very well there. The attributes that we identified, from my experience, were reflective of questions that I often got from business leaders that I work with who had limited or no rep exposure. So, this really gave us a good empirical perspective and validation of the attributes that we chose to focus on.
0: Thanks, Cesar. So John, I wonder if you could uh, tell us how do the reps satisfy the categories of expertise and flexibility for the manufacturer?
1: So when we think about expertise, the rep model score is very high. Now we have to concede that manufacturers' direct resources tend to have more expertise on that company's products. They're not always the best, but in general, they have more expertise in that company's products. But with a limited complementary line card, reps often have more expertise on the customer's end equipment and application, since reps need to understand how to integrate many different products from different suppliers. That expertise is really invaluable to most customers. Also, Reps tend to be experts in their market, since they often have a long history of supporting that market, while many other resources from other sales channels can come and go. If you think about flexibility, reps bring enormous flexibility to manufacturers that they represent by providing immediate support for new products, new customers, new geographies. Consider the case where an important customer emerges in a market with few direct resources. I think a Garmin in Olathe, Kansas, or years ago, Seagate in Oklahoma City. One of the easiest ways for a manufacturer to provide immediate top shelf support is to engage a rep that has resources and experience in that market. You know, engaging a rep avoids the cost and the hassle of finding, hiring, and training direct resources to cover these situations, and manufacturers can avoid the challenge of what to do with those resources when customers move or close. The rep model is really built for flexibility.
2: Yeah, John, well, well stated. All I can add there is that with the expertise, the reps always get the first look at those new applications. They're in there with all their other lines. They really understand that application, as you said, and they get the first look at new applications and with flexibility. I mean, the need for speed is critical in our business and reps are flexible, they're present. That local presence with the complementary product lines really positions them to react to and respond to opportunities very quickly.
0: So, Caesar, how do the reps satisfy the categories of advocacy and control for the manufacturer?
2: Advocacy, uh, it's, it's a typical question whether stated or unstated that some manufacturers ask about reps and how do they know that reps are advocating my product line when they have multiple product lines they sell? And my response is that's exactly why advocacy is assured. Now let me explain. A rep firm's income is tied to the growth of a select group of principles. And these principles products are directly aligned with the customer application and needs in their territory. Selling all their key lines is the single most important factor in a rep firm's business success. Every customer call, every customer visit is an opportunity to advocate and sell all of their lines. So advocacy is assured based on the nature of the rep model. From a control perspective, you know, a misconception with some manufacturers that are considering the rep model or actually use the rep model is that they have less control over their sales resources. You know, as in most cases, when managing people today, the word control has been replaced with influence, direct, or lead. And these are much more appropriate references than optimizing a sales organization. The influence a manufacturer has with reps is essentially twofold. It's economic and strategic. The economic aspect is obvious. Reps only work on commission. Their business is dependent on commission dollars. Strategically, if I can use an analogy, as a manufacturer, think of a rep's product line as a jigsaw puzzle. With all the products combining to reflect what would be a perfect picture of technologies that are required to be successful in the territory. If one of those pieces is missing or removed, the rep's value to the customer and their business success can become diminished. This provides manufacturers a significant amount of influence with their reps. These principles are critical to the rep's business. Manufacturers who use this influence to positively motivate
1: and lead their reps to achieve sales growth, always gets the best results. So let me jump in with just a couple of comments to uh, reinforce some of the things Caesar said. On advocacy, like we said, we, we try to honestly assess each of the sales channels on these attributes. And clearly, direct resources from a manufacturer are always going to advocate that company's products. On the other end, you have the distribution channel with three, four, five hundred lines. It's difficult for the distributors, not being critical, just being honest to advocate any one supplier to the degree that the manufacturer would. And the reps are in between, much closer to the direct resources with with maybe 8, 10, 12 different manufacturers, advocacy is really a plus for the reps. In terms of a control, when we were discussing this a couple of years ago, I had a rep tell me that when they think about it, a manufacturer really has more control of the rep resources than they do their own. If they have a problem with a direct resource, there's a whole process they need to go through with HR and improvement plans and and phasing somebody out. With a rep, a 30-day plan to fix the problem gets jumped on right away because of the nature of the relationship. Great, thanks John.
0: John, how do the reps satisfy the categories of market coverage for a manufacturer?
1: When we looked at this by evaluating all three sales channel elements, direct distribution and reps. If the goal was simply to have a place where customers could buy product, have it shipped, collect the money, then the distributors do that very, very well and can cover the entire market. But if a manufacturer's goal is to influence designs, have strong advocacy of their products, the reps do that very, very well. The REP model can provide coverage of local customers and ownership of distributor activities and results. This eliminates the need for a manufacturer to deploy direct resources without losing the focus and the advocacy that they need. Caesar, anything you'd add on market coverage? Yeah, with
2: your, uh, you know, you, you've covered it fairly well, John. My only comment would be to emphasize the fact that the complementary and comprehensive product lines that a REP has, the suite of technologies, most appropriate for the territory it covers, guarantees that all key accounts and major markets will be covered in that territory.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Caesar. So, Caesar, what about the categories of affordability and demand creation? How does a rep satisfy the needs of a manufacturer for those two categories? Well, affordability, I mean, that,
2: quite honestly, could be a dedicated podcast on its own. But from that perspective, think about it this way. Manufacturers' reps essentially provide the financing of the sales effort for the principals. Again, reps are only paid on commission on results. If you look at the burden cost of a single direct salesperson, that could easily exceed $200,000 per year, and that's just one person. With a rep organization, a manufacturer gets the benefit of multiple sales people, plus inside sales support, distribution support, lead follow-up, and all the other things that a rep provides. And another important cost benefit to manufacturers that can often be overlooked when thinking about the affordability of a manufacturer's rep versus a direct employee is hiring, training, and retention. I saw a report on LinkedIn by the Bridge Group. The average B2B organization salesperson turnover rate is 34%. The average tenure is 22 months the average time for a direct salesperson to ramp up to productivity has reached nearly six months and that doesn't include the recruiting costs which average around $20,000 training which could be anywhere from five to eight thousand dollars so adding all that up six months to generate sales after they are onboarded and trained the employee's gone in less than two years. Basically, a company barely gets its money back on the investment in its direct employee. Again, a strong consideration when thinking about the affordability of manufacturers reps. And most manufacturers reps have great success and long-term employee retention. So whether it's a challenging or booming economy, the rep model is a viable option to consider, providing the manufacturer an alternative investment or resources option as compared to a direct fixed cost one. Now, on the demand creation side, manufacturers' reps are an ideal sales model for demand creation, and and there's four specific reasons which I'll get into. The opportunity pipeline is the fuel that drives the growth engine of a manufacturer's rep. First, local market knowledge. They have a finger on the pulse of demand activity. Second, and an important benefit of manufacturers' reps as the complementary lines provides them access to customer applications in the very early stages. Third, most of their principles generate leads. And as I said earlier, reps want to sell all lines at every sales call. So principle A benefits from leads from principle B, and so on and so forth. And, And that dynamic is missing with an exclusively direct sales model. And fourth, if the manufacturer uses distribution, the multiple shared line collaboration with distribution, POS sharing, first-time buyer reports.
1: That's another key that opens the door for reps to create demand for the manufacturers. Walter and Caesar, let me just add a couple of comments here. On affordability, when we looked at this study and paused on the affordability angle, what we concluded was you really need to take a very thoughtful look at that, the affordability. And you need to consider what is flexibility worth? What is expertise worth? What is advocacy worth? What are all these worth? Really look at it holistically. That's something that hadn't jumped out at me before we did this study.
0: Great. Thanks, John. So I guess final thoughts, John and Caesar, to sort of sum up the podcast, this has been a very insightful podcast session. Any final thoughts? John, we'll go to you and then close with Caesar.
1: I'll try to be brief. One of the things I do every Every two or three months is lecture to a group of MBA students on sales channels. And the task I give them is you're the newly appointed CEO and you've been asked to revise your sales channel. And most of these students have never thought about this. And they want to quickly jump to the, well, I just want my own sales force or I just want this. And then as you walk through the attributes and you say, you know what? Some of these elements are better than others for various tasks. And so the thing I always recommend to a manufacturer is, Think about what you really want, what's most important to you, and then apply the right resource to the right task. And I think in a thoughtful discussion, there'll be a place for reps in your sales channel strategy. Well stated,
2: John. I'd just like to add, Walter, on top of the benefits of the rep model that we've just discussed, the attributes, the local experience, the long-tenured sales presence, affordability, demand creation, I'd also like to add adaptability. In my experience and it 's been a long time that i 've been working with manufacturers reps, nothing in the marketplace is static there 's always change and historically we 've seen changes in customer buying and design patterns, technology offshoring onshoring all of these different variables and reps have always quickly evolved and adapted to the changes in the marketplace and Never has this been more evident than in the past 18 months. Manufacturers' reps have quickly transformed their sales approach and continue to evolve in order to support the pandemic and post-pandemic customer. They've invested in technology, communication, training, everything required to continue to support the customers during this period of time and generate the growth expected by their principals through these very challenging times that we've all experienced over the last 18 months
0: good well thank you john and Caesar, for a very insightful and uh informative podcast uh thank you very much it's been uh, really great to have you share your expertise with our audience thank you very much my pleasure always a pleasure walter thank you Well, thank you everyone for joining me on this episode of ERA Talks. I think that this was a great discussion. And for those listening, be sure to visit our website, era.org for past episodes and subscribe to our channel. Talk soon.